the inside. She got the scoop on the ones to watch, on the ones that's hot. No one can do it quite like Caroline. Caroline. No one can do it quite like Caroline. It's time for Caroline. This interview is super exciting because I have one of the most inspired couples joining me today. This is Vanessa and Miles Adcox. Both of them are incredible people in their own right, but together they make this insane power couple. They are so tuned in to themselves and they've done so much work on themselves personally that they now together are so strong. And it's so inspiring to hear their stories individually. Vanessa is an actress. She lived in LA. She comes from a big entertainment family. Miles grew, I'm pretty sure he grew up in Nashville. I think he's a Nashville native. But he, through a series of careers, found himself wanting so much more. And so he started this this on-site clinic. And it's amazing. So many people have gone there just to work on themselves, get to the root of their real problems. That is what Vanessa and Miles are all about. They're about getting to the root of who they are, their real problems, so then they can fix that and then go on to change the world with their beautiful whole self. Be prepared to be inspired. This is such a great interview. I cannot stress it enough. It is such a great interview, especially for couples. You need to hear what they have to say because they do not claim to be perfect. They just claim to be getting in there and getting real and dealing with it in healthy ways. So get excited. Here's Vanessa and Miles. Okay. Hey, hey, hey. I'm here with the Adcoxes. Adcoxes? That's it. <laughs> you guys are probably one of the most um, inspiring couples, I would have to say. You guys are both so incredible in your own right, but together y'all are this force, like this power, for, this force of nature. So I need to break down first off who you guys are. This is Vanessa and this is Miles. And you guys are both influencers in your own right, but together y'all, like I said, are a power couple. Miles, tell me a little bit about what you do. Cause you have an incredible organization that you've been doing for a long time within the music industry, but also it's on Dr. Phil. I was like checking you out. You're on Dr. Phil and all sorts of TV shows, healing the world. <laughs> I don't know about that. We're doing the best we can, but yeah, we've got, I've got a company called Onsite and we're an emotional wellness lifestyle brand, and we deliver a lot of personal growth content, but we also offer a whole series of personal growth workshops, therapeutic workshops, and uh, I've got a long-term residential program, too. But when I say personal growth, I know that's kind of light, but it's it it's pretty diverse in its offering. It can be people stuck and struggling or people that just want to raise their EQ or just be emotionally in a better spot or become a better parent, better friend, better leader, all that stuff. So how does one get into that business? Uh, Because I feel like I would be your great candidate. I have been, I need all the emotional workshops I could get. Up until my head about 35, I was like, I lived in therapy basically. So I would be your perfect client. (laughs) How does one start a business like that? Well, for me, I got into it through the lens of my own experience. I uh, was in the wrong career, uh, had quite a bit of success in it. What was what career was it? I was in the sports industry. Okay. And so I was on the business side of sports. Okay. Uh, media selling media and broadcasting and all that, and it was it was fun and it was what I thought I was always supposed to do. But really, I did it because it was the only imprint that I had. I grew up as kind of a man's man in a small southern town and if you didn't hunt fish and play sports and you weren't really a man and so yeah totally we, we didn't have that's my, the that's the norm for what a lot is. of men you did a post about that the other day when you said a man, a man should be vulnerable you it was mm-hmm. like a long post and i read the whole thing i was like what were you saying in that basically like a man should be able to be vulnerable like to not have to be so strong it was a good one it was the one that you you had a lot of guys lot reach of out to you after that it. i did yeah. it was nice that like a man would mm-hmm. say that mm-hmm. about being a man well i've learned it the hard way because it, it it's, it's not necessarily that men should be vulnerable it's just that vulnerability is part of the human condition mm-hmm. and that men are not exempt from that but culturally we've men have this perception that we're supposed to be hard and have this exterior and that uh, vulnerability is weakness and it's absolutely backwards and and wrong so it it took a lot of emotional pain and you said you spent a lot of time in therapy i did too <laughs> me too <laughs> that's why we're all so healthy yeah yeah, yeah i'm so healthy <laughs> yes. well I, honestly i'll speak to that i i think therapy and i know we're joking but i think it is com- 
completely misbranded. I yes. think it's set up in a way that this is where you go when you're broken. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, it's not what's wrong with you that you would try to rewrite your narrative and become a better version of yourself. It's what's right with you. Yes. And I think the world's starting to wake up to that, but I think everybody needs a good dose of it. Mm-hmm. But back to what you said, there, there wasn't a lot of artistic influence or music programs. And I didn't even know that that kind of soft side of me could exist and uh, or creative side, I should say. And I didn't discover it until well into my 20s. And when I realized that I had a bit of an identity crisis because I was on this one track, but I had interest in others and just didn't allow myself permission to be who I truly was, which led to depression, anxiety, and some of the stuff that followed. I was just disconnected mm-hmm. from, from my body. So that landed me into some painful experiences, but it also uh, gave me a lights coming on opportunity. So I kind of the right people came around me at the right time, and I just fell in love with the change process. And I knew I was going to do it for a living almost right away. And I didn't yeah. know how, but I thought I've got to kind of find a way to be a part of people's change process. And yeah. Here. So that's it. How did, so then how did you decide to start a clinic? And tell me what on-site even is. So uh, we've got uh, about a 75-acre retreat center west of Nashville, 75-acre. We've got a 75-bed retreat center on about – uh, 200 acres oh, west nice. of Nashville. It's it's beautiful. You've got to come out and see it. Oh, I, would, I want to do the whole session with yeah. Michael, should, my would, husband. Yeah. I feel like I, we're in a great place. I love my husband so much. But Vanessa and I were talking like, we talk stuff out. We'll get down into the nitty gritty. But to have tools, therapy is what helped us move forward in our marriage in such a positive way because we've yeah. identified tools to communicate with each other mm-hmm. and that you don't have to like freak out and like lose your mind you can yeah. okay see this is triggering this because of this so right. i would love to do that yeah yeah i would love to have you i, I think you it. would love it but it uh i i worked in the crisis space for a while so when i got first got into it i got trained and certified in doing interventions which is what got me into the entertainment community because everyone's in crisis not everyone there's quite a bit of it there it's, it's probably higher dosage and mm-hmm. i was in nashville and there wasn't a lot of interventions in nashville so i would get the calls when so and so was struggling with addiction or that just the wheels were falling off with this and i liked it there were parts of it i was good at and parts of it i just it wasn't for me and i learned that after doing it for a little while but i knew i wanted to be in the space and then i went to work in kind of the treatment space and i worked treatment meaning residential long-term care and that was almost it was amazing and i i so honor a lot of my colleagues and friends that still have programs and do those but it felt limiting to who would have access to it right and in other words it's pretty predictable you know yeah. somebody crashes out with addiction or mental health right they come into an inpatient setting you do the best you can with them in 30 days and try to send them back out in the world. And I thought, that's great for that population. What about the rest of us? Right. And so I long dreamed of a place that had a, a bigger mission and a wider door for all of us to be able to walk through, whether we think we're stuck struggling or not. Mm-hmm. So we came, kind of came up with the workshop or seminar model, which I would, I didn't pioneer it. I actually bought a company that was pre-existing and doing some of it. And then since then, we've innovated and helped recreate a lot of content. And now that's on site today. <laughs> Okay, so how does this make for marriage? Because you guys, I, first off, tell me your story. Vanessa was telling me a little bit about y'all's love story, which is, can you give us a little brief summary of how y'all met? Because it was almost kind of love at first sight for you guys. Yeah. And you weren't intentionally trying to go on a date, fall in love. So I want to know how you guys met and then how you guys, with this healthy framework that y'all have in place, how do you apply it to marriage? It's so funny because, like I was telling you, the, when you when you're when you do something like that for a living, it's not like you have all the tools. Just, right. I mean, you have them, but it's hard to you're pull them out human. when you're in the middle of something. <laughs> um, but he's been really helpful with helping me with some of my stuff too. Obviously, I've gone to therapy before, and I've done the program out of onsite, and it's phenomenal. Um, but no, to answer your question, we met. Uh, I was visiting. I'm from Los Angeles originally. An actress. An actress. Been acting since I was 12, you know, I was really into on it. On a big soap opera. I was on a soap opera which, back in the day. Which one? <laughs> I was on The Young and the Restless. Heck yeah, that's like the soap opera of all soap operas. <laughs> if you want to be on one, <laughs> if you want to be on one, that might be the one you might want to be on. If you and you were in movies. <laughs> uh, shark, tell it the shark movie. Oh yeah. That's what uh, got <laughs> you to Miles. Yes. That's hilarious. Yes, I've done, a, I've done a bunch of movies, but mostly like Christmas movies, Hallmarky kind of, not the all Christmas. The best kind. But, 
great fun yes. movies. But then I did do a movie called Sand Sharks with yes. a, a friend, a girl who became a friend of mine, and she decided to move out to Nashville to do music. And this is Brooke Hogan. Yeah, Brooke Hulk Hogan. Ho the whole Hogan's, the whole Hogan's daughter, but she's yeah. in her own right a badass. Yeah, she's wonderful. So sweet. She's awesome. I thank her for the reason I, I mean, I wouldn't probably have met Miles. Well, I might have met him a different way, but she asked me to come out here to visit her for her birthday when she had just moved here, and I was kind of on the fence about it, and I finally, she actually bought me my plane <laughs> ticket because I wasn't coming. I'm like, I am not going to Nashville. I have no desire to go to Nashville. Oh, well, those cowboys. Yeah, no, and this was before Nashville had any good restaurants, so I thought, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to come out there. But she ended up buying me a ticket. I came out, and we were at a, we were at a restaurant. Unless our parents are asking, it was, it's actually really a bar. <laughs> it's a bar restaurant. It's a bar restaurant. Well, we technically we were, met at yeah, the bar. We were at the bar. Depending but, on who asked, we. Yeah. yeah. Most love stories start at the bar. I feel. Yeah. Mine I mean, did. I mean, yeah. the best ones do. The best one, yeah. best yeah. relationships are at the bar. BB, yeah. best bar relationship. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. So we, uh, I was at the, we were at the tavern in Nashville and I was sitting at the bar with her, with Brooke and we had seen Miles when we walked in. And were you like, oh, that, I want to, I want to get to know that guy. I really wasn't. I don't know why. <laughs> I think I, I mean, Come I saw on. him. I thought he was so cute. I was like, oh, he had a flannel on and it was weird. And flannels I, flannels are so cute. Oh, but they're you're cute from now. LA. I'm okay. from LA, okay. but now I love flannels. Okay. I can't buy, I can't buy him enough flannels now. <laughs> but back like, then you're like, yeah, he's oh, trying no. to move away now from the flannels. And I'm like, here's another flannel. <laughs> but so, so I, I did see him and then he, I will let him take over the story because he tells the story so much better than me. Oh. Because there's actually a purpose behind it. So. So, all right. So, I'll tell, I'll tell the abbreviated. You love birds. I'll tell the abbreviated version. This okay. is the first time we've ever done anything like yeah, this Yeah, we've together. never done a podcast about it. You're so I cute. I really excited. Oh, thanks. Oh, you guys. Y'all should just get married all over again. If y'all. Maybe we will. I mean, Want to marry us? Yeah. <laughs> I, I would try. <laughs> yes. I will ordain a marriage. Look, y'all are the cutest. Okay. Oh. So, tell your love story, Miles. Let's hear it. Okay. So, I had just come back from a speaking gig, and I was actually overseas, and so I had a long flight from London and was watching movies, and I watched a movie called We Bought a Zoo. You know? Yes. You know that one? Okay. So, um, a lot of men would not, because it's kind of a chick flick, but I, that's <laughs> when I love watching chick flicks on long planes, but uh, I, uh, uh, there is a theme in that movie where it's Matt Damon and Scarlett Johansson, and... But Scarlett was who he met after his wife had passed. So you remember his first wife, he met her. Oh, and such a sad was, movie. I know. All you need is 20 seconds, 20 seconds of courage and it'll change your life. Yes. You remember that? Yes, that is so true, too. It is true. Mm -hmm. And for me, I can tend to be... I think it's funny that a lot of people would think that because of the space that we're in, we're this picture of emotional health. And we're actually a hot mess most days. <laughs> totally. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that y'all are real, though. Oh, yeah. But see, I think being a picture of emotional health is admitting that you're a hot mess. Oh, yeah. You know, because you're not going to avoid the human condition, especially when you're combining lives with someone. Okay, so yeah. go ahead. Well, <laughs> there was a, it was a gift and a burden of learning how to uh, analyze yourself in your process because you can become over-analytical. Mm -hmm. And you, it, it tripped me up for years because I had this... I, I dreamed of, of being married and having a family and obviously the, the, the dream we all have, a lot of people have. And, but I, but I had it as perfect, mm. which doesn't exist, but it was just unconscious. Yes. So I would either get in a bad relationship or, or uh, I would get in one that wasn't perfect. And I just, I struggled relationally for a while, which honestly, when you're the face of a place that teaches people how to do healthy relationship, that's tough. <laughs> serious it was so people are like Miles why why can't you work out a relationship yeah, exactly. like aren't you supposed to be the relationship guru here? I can help you but I can't do it um, yeah. and finally you know I kind of surrendered to the idea that uh, the tools that we sometimes have uh, when we're really in intimacy and up close in our own process they go out the window and, Amen to that. Mm -hmm. And we just have to sometimes go with our instinct, our heart, our gut, and sometimes the bigger picture to help us navigate that. And that's what happened in this case. That little simple phrase with all the therapeutic jargon I know about how to take emotional risk and commit, <laughs> all that shit went out the window. And I had one little uh, phrase, it's 20 seconds of courage. And I thought, you know what? And so I see her. So you see Vanessa. When you see Vanessa, what do you think when you see well, her? Well, I, I wasn't in a great space. I'd, okay. come, I, I'd just come out of a relationship and I was like, I'm going to give this some time. I'm not going <laughs> to date. You said the same I was thing. in the same place too. So you but guys are in identical situations. I'll tell you how sad I Pretty was. Much. I was actually out with my the, the intern. <laughs> Who was like twelve? Well, oh. she was like twenty-one. But. Oh, so you were like you were like d dying for a it friend. Mm -hmm. It wasn't my idea, but she. I think she kind of felt sorry for me, and she's like, "You should go out tonight." <laughs> and so, I, but I did, and she actually turned into a great friend. She's yeah. she's been great, but 
I was out with the intern, saw Vanessa, and I was like, she's beautiful. Oh, she's stunningly beautiful. Yes, oh. I do. But I saw her from across the room. She was sitting at the bar with Brooke. And I typically, historically, have never approached. I, I just don't do that. Um, it, you know, to hit on somebody. Because I just don't have much game. I'm kind of clumsy. <laughs> when it comes. And so I was like, all right, beautiful woman. Um, this is where I would just acknowledge that and move on. But I thought, all you need is 20 seconds of courage. So what you is owe the Matt worst? Damon, too. Yeah. Yes. What's the worst that could happen? Seriously, what's the worst that can happen? Well, in those 20 seconds of courage, it feels like the end of the world. Because like, you're get rejected, putting yourself out there. I could throw that. my drink in your face like they do in the movies. Yeah. yeah. No. But I, so I went for it. So I start walking towards her. Oh, my God. And you fell. Well, that would have been a better <laughs> Fell hard in love. No, it's just oh, oh. So I got from like me to you, and I panicked on the inside. And I was like, exit, stage left. So, you know, I was like, get out of here. Because I didn't know what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. But I now got, but I now got, do you see him approaching in the panic? I oh, can see it. I can you're see happening. It. Okay. Well, so. I got that close without having any line or anything. Oh, my I was gosh. like, this is not a good plan. I'm stressing for you right now. Yeah. I feel like hot sweat. Well, I was now. just getting ready to pull out, like, <laughs> like dark, like abort, abort. The, the minute I got to, when I was about to pull out, she pulled up her camera to take a selfie. And you're like, thank you, Jesus. I did say that? I'm not Jesus. I think I thank God, but I was like, <laughs> one or two. And I just reached and grabbed it. And I said, "Can I take that picture?" No. Stop. That was it. That and was that my was move. It. Oh, and that was yeah, that, that was, was the move. The universe was helping you out. I did. Oh yeah. So I so I took the picture. It started a conversation. Yeah. One cool thing, something we do at Onsite, a lot of people that have been there know is we ask people not to reveal their profession uh, the okay. whole time they're there. Okay. Which is very cool because people you know we get to, so wrapped you up get so in what we do. defined by what you do, who you totally. are. And so it's a thing that is kind of pretty special as part of our process, but I'd never really practiced it outside of it unconsciously. We didn't try, but we talked for an hour. And neither of us ever mentioned what the other did for a living. Stop. How cool is that? So did you know right away when you were chatting with him? Oh, you yes. Well, I didn't. Okay, so in that moment, I was just, the, I, I, it was like building inside. I was like, oh my gosh. Oh boy, here I go. Oh no, oh no. I'm, I'm falling. I can't fall in love this quick. Is that possible? You thought uh, that right away? I mean, I started having these thoughts. Really? Um, yeah. Like at I, the restaurant? At the restaurant. I, I, I was no definitely way. into him. And then, but then so I thought, so you know. you're so glad you came to Nashville. Yeah, I was really, well, I was glad. The psychic that I met with months before told me that I would be mm. in the South a lot. I thought she was full of it and now I know I'll send anyone to her now um but anyway yes I know she was great but (laughs) so no I was I was I did think he was wonderful but I was like I've got to go back to LA I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I put the brakes on the feelings and you're like hardcore pursuing movies yeah I was pursuing it and I was in it and I'm just like I'm an actor a guy like life is in LA you know it's not really I'm not like Scarlett Johansson so no LA wouldn't miss me too much one movie away one movie away it's so true but um but no so he he was very um he was very charming. And what got me actually was the next morning, he called me in the morning. Not text me. He called. He picked up the phone, dialed my number, and he was like, hey, sunshine. That's a horrible accent. Stop. Sunshine. And he called me sunshine. And I, and I literally almost dropped the phone. I was like, he just called me sunshine. You're like, either yeah. this guy is my husband or he's I the know. biggest con artist that yeah, ever lived. totally. Well, I definitely <laughs> thought that for a minute. So then I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know anything about him. I've got to like look into this guy. Like what if he's like, a, you know, he could be a serial killer. Because this feels too good to be true for Yeah, way too so good to be true. He's real slick and cute and just like that Look smile. And You're a little slick, but like in a good way. It's that he thought he was going to like flub it. But then oh, yeah. in your mind, it's like he's got all the moves. Oh, yeah, I no, love he, the alternate perspective. Definitely, but then that night he we uh, he we met up again, and he came to the birthday no, it wasn't party. That night. It was the next night. It was, yeah, it was the next night after he called you and said after Good morning, that morning sunshine. he called me and we invited him to the to the whatever it was. So we we ended up hanging out again, and I that's when I sent that text to my mom that said I think I'm I'm sitting next to my future husband and we took a picture, and then the third day I didn't see the text until our yeah he didn't day. see it till our wedding day yeah my mom mom saved framed it. it and put yeah, it on it was really sweet. And then the third the third day, he was leaving to go out of town again, and I was leaving back to Los Angeles, and we had our first proper date at the airport. <laughs> and I'll never forget that. Yeah, right. the guy when we were going through security thought we were married for years. He, he said something to us. I'll never forget that. And uh, yeah, and so and then we had a long, long distance for a long time. I was going to say this is only part. This of the is story. just the beginning Which of the love story. Nobody probably cares about the yeah, whole thing. No. They do need the whole picture, which is yeah. it was a. Uh, it was a four and a half, four year. It was almost a five year. Well, f- four or five coaster. year. 
journey. That was tough. Yeah. And we, I, I wouldn't trade a second of it no. because we got to know each other so intimately, uh-huh. the hard parts and the good parts throughout that mm-hmm. relationship. And it, but it was, uh, we thought geography was going to get the best of us at one point. Cause we, yeah, we used to have conversations we, while we were together about how this isn't going to work because of yeah. our location. No one knew we broke up yeah, for a while. Yeah, a couple times, I think, maybe twice. Yeah. And then it was interesting that both of us, I would say, had somewhat of a spiritual awakening mm-hmm. individually, like okay, solo so journeys. Like what happened? <clears throat> how did the spiritual awakening happen? And what did you learn? Surrender. That has been, if I have ever learned one thing, I remember the first time I ever experienced surrendering and it is the most liberating feeling because you realize why are you even trying to control it anyway? Mm. Yeah. Right. So true. Yeah. Cause you have no control. If it's going to, if it's meant to be, it'll be. And surrendering to love is a whole other ball of wax and surrendering to your own personal journey. Yeah. I feel like, cause like we were sort of talking about this earlier, mm-hmm. loving someone, you have, there's so many re- there's so many things you have to do to love someone. You 100%. have to get so far outside of yourself, even yeah. if you love them. Yeah, you know? even if you and we knew we loved each other, but I think and I've always I always tell this to my friends or anyone who's like looking for love or I'm a total I guess I learned from onsite I'm a love a- I'm a love <laughs> addict. I'm not a sex addict. I'm a love addict. <laughs> just let's just make that clear. And I didn't know what that meant. I got really offended in the beginning when I heard that. But lo- love addiction is like you're always looking for that feeling, that I think romance. That's me that, too. I think it's everyone, honestly. Like yeah. we all want to have yeah. a romance, like that fairy tale kind of. Yes. What were you going to say? I just said that I don't want to. That's different than love addiction. It's not everyone because there's some love addicts out there that really struggle. That okay. Are a lot of, that's right. when it gets obsessive. Maybe and I'm, right. Yeah. I, right. I'm not obsessive with it. I just, I did really. You're really looking Yeah. For I was it. like, why don't I have that feeling all the time? Like when I look on Instagram right. and I see all these people and they're like throwing each other in the air and they're like <laughs> catching each other. And I'm like, that is not real life. Real mm-hmm. life is making a choice to love someone. And that's yes. what I did with Miles. I, mm-hmm. I remember, I will never forget it. We were, Miles was taking me, I think he was taking me, we were either going out to onsite, we were going somewhere and we were in the middle of this awful, like figuring it out again. And he just looked at me. He's like, I can't do this anymore. What, what are you doing? Cause I was trying to almost be like, be mean. I don't know what I was trying to get out of it. Just go through all the, yeah, I was just, just like trying to, maybe if I poke him enough, he'll, he'll like throw me in the air and catch me and like become, I'll become Cinderella. I don't know what I was looking yeah. for. And then I remember I in that totally moment. Get that. Yeah, but he fl- he like flipped. He said, "I can't do this anymore. You have we need to make a choice right now." And I remember in that moment thinking, "This is it. I'm about to lose this guy and I don't want to and I really need to choose to love him the way I know I love him and to be loving and to act loving and not just you know, stop running back to California. Stop acting like a jerk. Just and be just present. Be present and be love. Like, yeah. And be love. Yeah. I swear to you, I had a similar thing with Michael, my husband. We dated four years, broke up two years, and that whole yo-yo of like, oh. and everyone see us and think, oh my gosh, you guys have this awesome marriage. Right. And we do, but it's only because we both choose love yeah. too. You have to choose love. Choose love. And see the yeah. best in the other person. Yeah, you have to see that. And you take, like, I know, Miles knows what he's getting with me. He knows the good, <laughs> he knows the bad. And like, that's one thing that I love so much about our relationship is he really is able to see through like the crazy parts of me and through the parts when like even now having a child, like I went through, I've had, um, you know, the depression that follows pregnancy that a lot of women get. And, um, he's just been able to really understand and love me through it and not like, I really, there's been times where I was like, I would leave myself if I were me. Like, I, I don't know who I am right now. And, um, I think that's one thing being in a relationship with somebody who does what he does has its, it has its like benefits. And then it obviously has times where I'm like, you're not my therapist, but I'm like, you're, but he's so great at letting me like go through my process and actually helping me kind of come out of, out of parts that are really like Heart, that I can't see, like my stubbornness, right. like walking out of my own way and just letting me kind of circle back and be like, okay, you know, this is what's going on. It is so interesting though, especially when you get in a relationship like you guys, where y'all are both, like you said, working on yourself, you're having your individual revelations and then you're having revelations together mm-hmm. as a partner. Like, I feel like that is how you really build a foundation for something that can last. You have to deal with it. You have to get dirty. You have to get into mm-hmm. the nitty gritty, face the parts that are ugly. Yeah. And a lot of people, do you think a lot of people are just too scared to even analyze their own self? So then when it comes to being in a relationship, they don't want to, they can't go there with someone else? 
I do. Yeah. Actually, when you all were saying earlier about you just have to choose love as a couple, I I was thinking first you got to choose love here. You yourself. have to love yourself first. I, I almost think love. I I think grace almost trumps it. I think until I learn to be gracious about myself and my process, there's no way I could extend that to another human. Mm-hmm. Unconsciously, I had this judgment and this microscope on her process, which was not fair at all because all it was is a reflection of my own process. Mm-hmm. And so I think what helped us get there was we both had the courage to do our own work. And mm-hmm. it didn't happen naturally. We kind of were forced into it because our relationship was just colliding. Mm-hmm. And we ended up being this great mirror for each other. And the mirror initially was like, let's look at our relationship. That's what's wrong with this situation. And then it was like, well, no, actually both of us have individual work to do. And when we started reconciling our own story, we put down the microscope, which we had on each other, and picked up the mirror, which was our relationship. And we were like, we've got something pretty special. Mm-hmm. When we get out of the way of it, surrender and realize there's more to this relationship, meaning us and, you know, I know God, and then yeah. it changed things. Yeah. And we still have them, like, I'll put the mirror up on him all the time. And then he, I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Like to this day, I'll still, and then I'm, and then I have that moment where I've got to just take it down and be like, this is my issue, not his, you know? Yeah. We're, I'd say we're pretty good at catching. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would assume that we've, as I say, we, we got it together and we don't, but we do. I love the way you reframe that in the beginning. We just, we, I think an absence of conflict is dangerous in relationships. Totally. And we've got pretty That's healthy. That's a great way of putting it. And I had, no, like, when we first met, I literally had never, I don't think I ever fought with any guy I'd ever dated, ever. So literally. you would just, like, stuff it. I would stuff it for days, like, for years. I mean, oh. I stuffed it my whole life. And then oh my gosh. he taught me that if you argue with me, I'm not going to break up with you. Like, I'm not going to leave you. And I think that that was so important because I was used to, if, if something wasn't going right, it was over, you know? Yeah. And he taught me also how to have an, a healthy argument. You yes. know, there's ways to, to fight and, and for it to be healthy. And, you know, there's like that tipping point where it can be like really bad, a bad, bad fight where you don't want to get to that point. Or mm-hmm. there's times where if you stuff it for too long, you just lose it. And that's what I was doing. And then, then he taught me to unleash it so well that now I'm always just like, rah! <laughs> now it's just flying for yeah. you all the time. Now Congratulations, like Miles. Yeah. You have done well. Yeah, he <laughs> no. You're but, giving me too much credit. A lot of this you intuitively had. You just did never, I don't think, been in an emotionally safe enough place mm-hmm. or relationship to be able to express who you are. Because yeah. it... it I didn't. I don't think I ever was like. Let me show you this. It was just like, let me love you, yeah. and you know that's who you deserve to be. Yeah. Why do you guys think so many people are so unhappy in the world? Like, where does the root of unhappiness come from? And you know, like people wanting social. This is an influencer series, so like I feel like social media can be an amazing tool, and you guys Ooh. use it in an amazing way. But it can also be such a terrible tool and it can bring out so much unhappiness in other people's like where does that unhappiness stem from and if you guys were if you were gonna heal the world how would we do that like how would you encourage what 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 is what is it that's driving people to their to the darkness or to lashing out on people instead of dealing with it do people just not want to face their own demons where does all that come from i guess that's a lot a very long question does any of it make sense? No, I mean, <laughs> no, it, a lot of it makes a lot of sense, actually. And I know, Miles, we both have, like, I'm, I'm, I think a lot of, I do a lot of comparing, which it's is so easy to It's compare. so easy to do. And, and it's so dangerous. And social media is not everything. That's why we like to do, I like to do a lot of realness in my stories and a lot of realness just on my, what I'm talking about, because I think it's so important for the world to see, I mean, that real life is not, I mean, social media, a beautiful picture on Instagram is not real life. Real mm-hmm. life is we woke up at six, the baby's been crying, we're, we had an argument, no one ate. This is, but then, then we had great moments throughout the whole day. And, mm-hmm. and I, and then when we want to, when I want to go zone out and look at something, I have to stop looking at all the pretty perfect things. Cause those people have the same issues that we have. Exactly. And I know that you probably could answer the question as well in a different way. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I would just echo a little bit of what you said and what you shared. I do think we're the most disconnected, um, numbed out, uh, medicated cohort in history. Uh, and there's some research to support that due to addiction rates and mental health rates and what we're seeing in our culture right now. It's a, it's a, 
uh, a scary and confusing time. It can be a little overwhelming to be in our culture and try to figure out how to navigate it. And we're seeing it getting worse with younger people. Mm. So I, it, why is it? I think there's it, that's a layered answer. There's a lot of reasons I think we've headed that way. But I think the, the main reason is we stopped valuing uh, uh, truth. Our, our vulnerability, our authenticity, and our truth. I don't know that we ever really did, but I think a compound effect over all these generations, it's finally caught up with us where people don't have permission to put down the act. And now social media is just kind of fueling the fire. And actually what you said, but what do we do about it? I think self-awareness, self-compassion is our superpower. If I could blanket that into our government and into our leadership mm. and into our faith-based leaders that know you before you try to know me and teach me. Yes. yes. Think could, Why do we not learn that? Why seriously. do we not teach that in the beginning? Well, I think if the world could get a PhD in themselves, we'd yes. have a lot better world. Because when's the last time you so saw true. a high-ranking government official own a weakness? Or oh. stand up in a debate and say, I struggle with this. See, that's why I want Oprah to be now, I know. Me, oh. you both. Thank <laughs> you. Me too. Oh, my gosh. Oh. But, I, but I need to say about you, you... Uh, We've got, we both have a set of insecurities. And I think a lot of people think, even you, that because I've got the my career and what I do, that I'm better at it than you are. But when it comes to social media, I would completely disagree. You're, you've got a resilience muscle when it comes to an unfiltered putting yourself out there that I so respect. And I struggle with it because I've kind of, I've been a behind the scenes person forever who in the last two years have said, if, if I'm going to do anything, I got to put myself out there. And I struggle doing that without uh, worrying about what people think and mm-hmm. what they're going to say. I think you've been on camera since you were a kid, mm-hmm. and you've been in auditions getting rejected since you were a kid. Which, working in, with the acting community, I hate that. I and mean, we help people rewrite that mm-hmm. traumatic narrative for years where people said, You're too fat, you're too that, all that yeah. crap. But it did build this resilience muscle in you where you handle rejection really well. And you don't mind stretching and putting yourself out there. You don't have to edit what you say yeah. for the most part. That's, I mean, I'll do a little, mm-hmm. but it's pretty remarkable. And she's helped me do it. Like I'm saying, because uh, I get insecure about certain things like grammar and spelling. It's not my strong suit. And I'm like, but I, but yet people think I'm smart. I don't think I'm that smart. But <laughs> You're smart. When I, po- when I post them, I'm like, this has to, and I'll get her to look at it or I'll get, you know, I, I uh, and just she overanalyzing just like, it. So overanalyzing. Much. It. And yeah. She'll, she's like, send it. Quit thinking yeah, about it. Yeah. I just, I type and send. That's exactly what I do. <laughs> yeah. And I could type a whole book out mm-hmm. and then I'm me like, too. I don't, I'll go back and yeah, edit it. We'll me spell too. it later. I'm like, oh, well, shoot. I think, I think women overall are better at it. I think so too because Michael struggles with that. Mm-hmm. Yep. I do think women are better. Michael struggles with that too. He's always thinking about his captions and stuff. I think it's because girls are so talky and fl- I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not trying to like genderize this, but on the whole, girls are chatty and nurturing and right. they want to like just spill the beans. Yeah, like, I've that's- got a theory on it. <laughs> okay, I think, what? <laughs> I think women are more emotionally available, and when you have more availability to emotion, that makes you emotionally stronger. Mm. And I think historically it's totally backwards. Everybody thinks men are strong, so they put you in. You know, there's never been a female present. All that. I think we've had that backwards for years. Women are o- overall. I mean, seventy percent of the people that come to onsite are women. That should be reversed because yeah. you don't see women are willing to work on it. That's it. Women yeah. are willing to work on themselves. It doesn't scare them as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm gonna ask y'all a few questions. Just tell me what comes to mind. Love is. Beautiful. Grace. Darknesses. Ooh. Real. Could be healing. It's got to be a one-word answer. No. Okay. <laughs> I could keep going. I like the one-word yeah, answer. Yeah, I like that. Darkness funny. is real and could be healing. Okay, let, break those two down. Like I feel like all the darkness I've ever been in afterwards there's been so much growth and light that I almost liked staying in those dark places for a while like I remember my LA days like I I have like dark days there (laughs) I had dark hair I was dark I was everything was dark dark. in my life like (laughs) yeah but after all that there became something beautiful from it you know a lesson or if you're willing to if you're willing to yeah and and to see it yeah and do the work and then not not every single time obviously (laughs) yeah but most of the time there would be something and I'd be like, oh, that's okay. I get that. I, it, darkness doesn't exist without light. Light doesn't exist without darkness. So I think we, you have to acknowledge it. So I, the social media thing, I work out with the same group of guys four or five days a week. And we've turned the workout into, okay, this, is, this taps the physical side. What are we doing on the emotional side and spiritual side? So on the emotional side, we started giving each other a challenge. 
and once a day we do a challenge. But we determine the challenge based on what we find is a deficit among us. And so if social media is an invader in my relationship, which it is, I, t- I take it into the bedroom and I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And instead of like the last thing I do is hug my wife or go to my wife, I'm on social media checking emails. Then that's that's dark for us right now. But unless I acknowledge it, then the challenge became, and I'm doing it for Lent, which I don't even practice Lent. I didn't grow up with that tradition, but I'm trying to keep the phone out of the bedroom until Easter, which I've done an okay job on. Oh, nice. Halfway. Oh. Okay. We appreciate the effort. It was a good, yeah. It's been a couple nights of Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That's really that is great though but, to yeah. have accountability and call yourself out on it. Yeah, and no, then, he's amazing at doing that stuff. It's like you just did another one that I love, the no complaining thing. Oh my no gosh. Complaining for a day. That is so hard. I thought it was a week. Oh, I know. I was complaining about the rain. He's like, no complaining. I'm like, but it's right. raining. No. I know, I know. It, it, if you catch yourself, if you intentionally do things like that to catch yourself, mm-hmm. I know. Gosh, there's just always so many things to work on. As yeah. soon as I like hit a level where I'm like, oh, I have yeah. a spiritual breakthrough. I'm feeling great, and then immediately, like, I feel like I just get yeah. hit again, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm back on the ground. <laughs> like, <laughs> when is this ever gonna end? Mm-hmm. I like that that you're doing that though. I think that's I think that everyone should do something like that every every like once a week. Or I think it's something that we we should do together in our relationship. Like pick one thing. That's smart. Like every Sunday on. that we want to do for the week. You've really done, the no complaining thing. You have not complained about anything. Well, and I think too though. I think so many people don't take the time. Like you guys have both said this whole time to hold themselves accountable to mm-hmm. even take inventory of what they're doing and to be like, okay, I need to work on myself. Like yeah. I actually need to work on me. So many people just yeah. breeze through the, their lives and let whatever happens to them. They're reacting to it. Right. They're living in their reactions. Totally. They're living in their traumas instead of being like, okay, I don't have to live here. Yeah. And I we're can... never done working on ourselves till the day we die. I mean, but like... we have the choice to see it differently. Right? Yeah, you're so right. Yeah. It's actually, it's actually not that. It's kind of fun for the mm-hmm. most part. There are parts of my um, introspective process where I've had to work on myself that just sucked. I mean, when it was like really hard. But the everyday stuff becomes easier and easier. I think it's just like working out. You don't run a, you know, it's like running a marathon. You don't mm-hmm. just do that. You have to warm up to it and practice it and get your emotional muscles worked out. Mm-hmm. But I, now that I'm doing it. I would much rather sit around a table and talk about... So somebody challenged me the other day because we do this game where we come up with... We need to have you guys over for dinner sometime. Yes, we'd love to come. So I don't yes. want to tell you much about it. We love getting cards that just provoke deep conversations. And Michael and I love to deep talk. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, we love to deep talk. Because most people would be like, I ain't coming to dinner there. Yeah. Oh, no, horrible. it's our favorite. We do it like every night. Just it's, drink wine and talk about everything. Mm-hmm. We don't have babies yet. <laughs> it's fun. Uh, yeah. But we, well, we, we do night. it. And somebody, a friend was over the other night. He said, you need to turn this into a game called Cards for Humanity. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Yes. Actually, you should. And Copyright. go on Oprah yeah, with Dr. Copy. Phil. You already have an in with Dr. Phil. Make him and do it on his show. Mm-hmm. Get Oprah involved. Done. Well, Done. But you think, I mean, think about the world uh, would be safe. Thought provoking, emotional, deep conversations uh, t- can be fun mm-hmm. if we practice them in community. Yeah. And- yeah. Why do you guys think, because you guys have both followed your calling, like you've pursued acting your whole life, you switch careers to follow your calling. Why do you think so many people don't? follow their calling because we all feel it like you know like Mm -hmm. you feel that tinge like every time I've walked down a road that I thought was shiny and sparkly and should be the road but it wasn't I feel that huge resistance you know but when you're on the right road it feels Mm. free and open but so Mm -hmm. many people why won't they commit to their calling instead they're just like oh I couldn't be one of those people that had a life where I got to do what I loved a lot of people will just say those things stay in the I think a lot of it um I mean, I think it's a lot of fear for me, at least when, I mean, even as pursuing acting, I was working as a waitress or I was doing anything to make ends meet just to be able to do what I love to do. And I think that that fear over like takes over and you go into that place of, well, this isn't working out and I need to just get a job where I can make money and I can have a family and I can do a thing. And but who I, do I think I yeah, am? Yeah. And who do I think I am? But I think if you just sort of, and it's not so, it's not just as easy as it, as it seems like, oh, I'm going to start a business and it's going to be successful. I mean, that's just not reality for a lot of people. But I think that if you are genuinely, like my dad always said, find something you love to do that you're good at that you can make money at. It's like, it might, I mean, I I don't want to say, I didn't make millions of dollars as an actress. I struggled as an actress, Mm -hmm. big time. I mean, even when I was working as an actress and doing movies or TV shows, I still wasn't making enough money to even get by half the time because 
California's expensive and and I had those moments of I'm just going to give this up I don't I you know but I kept going kept going but then your life like I think that if you follow your heart and follow where you're going like I chose love I, I moved to Nashville Nashville took me to miles I kind of backed off on acting I'm still doing it a little but then like all these other little opportunities but your came road, out it, you yes and yeah. that's another thing you can evolve right. in your dream too. and I'm, I I love acting but like I I found this joy in obviously being a mom is like the best joy I've ever experienced but now I'm doing the blog and I'm doing I've started a store out at OnSite that I love because people that go through there get to go shop for things that make them happy and I started a jewelry line I'm doing all these things that kind of fulfill that, fulfill that passion. passion inside of me and and you know when an, if an acting job comes along great I'll take it but it's just sort of you let yourself be open. letting myself be open to opportunities and maybe I want to be an interior decorator I want to be yeah. a, I want to be I want to like dress people for for their life just because like I love fashion so yes. whatever if something like that were to come my way I might open that door you know I totally agree following your passion but being open mm-hmm. to letting mm-hmm. it evolve yes I, I feel like I have done that too started in music and like I twisted me here but yeah. I would have never gotten here if I hadn't followed yeah. the curiosity but so many totally. people just won't go down that road right because they hit one roadblock or they get intimidated one mm-hmm. time and they're like nope I'm out Bye, I'm going to go like settle for something else. And it's not that I'm judging people for that, but I think that if people would follow their calling, they'd be so much happier in their lives. Well, I think it's, it's fear of failure a lot, but there are practical things that could keep some people from going after what they want, depending on what it is. You got socioeconomic challenges and uh, some people don't have the opportunity to step outside of what they're doing to make a living if they're trying to support families Meaning if, if I wanted to play, you know, Major League Baseball, but yet I've got to support a family, mm-hmm. it's a little late to get started on right. that. However, I think overall you're right. I think most people would have a fear that if I were to do this, there's a good chance I would fail. And we're naturally adverse to failure. Mm-hmm. But yet failure, every time I have failed, all the failures have led up to me doing, honestly, I can say exactly what I want to be doing right mm-hmm. now. And there's other things I dream about and I want to do, and I know I'm going to pivot and do other things and try stuff, but I... I'm doing exactly what I want to do, and it's because I've failed a lot at other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've failed trying to do what I want to do. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's always really comforting to hear. I actually think I started this podcast two years ago because I literally just wanted to get inside of people's heads who had done really amazing things because I always was so afraid of... I, don't, I just uh, worth was, I always had self worth issues. Mm-hmm. I always thought like, oh, I could never do this. Who am I? I'm not talented enough. I'm Me not too. good enough. Totally. But now talking to people for so many two two years now, like once a week, to very interesting people like mm-hmm. yourself, I have come to realize, and I'm sure you guys have realized this through y'all's lines of work. Everybody is struggling. Everybody is insecure. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their own bag of shit that they're Absolutely. carrying around that they have to figure out how to mm-hmm. deal with and overcome. And that has given me so much comfort to be braver, just knowing that we're all in it. Nobody has mm-hmm. this like perfect mm-hmm. ride. Like now no. it's even like hilarious to me that I ever thought anyone ever did. I know. You know, because like, like you guys were saying, comparison, you can easily compare. But once you really get to like know the stories, everybody is going through something and you just have to like. Yeah, go all in. Everyone's fighting their own fight, and that's why I think it's so important to share about it. And yes. that's why Miles and I like to be open and vulnerable with our struggles because we're helping. If we share where we're at, and we're in the process of like, if we're in the midst of like a real big struggle, we share it, and someone's like, "Oh, you're you're not alone." And I'm like, "Oh, I'm so glad that mm-hmm. I brought that up because mm-hmm. had I not brought it up, then I wouldn't. I don't feel alone anymore. You know, totally. I just." I just think it's so important to be real and and to not pretend that you're okay if you're not okay. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's okay to be okay. Like that's one thing. It's okay to be said. not okay. It's, it's, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. To not, it's okay to not be okay. Yes. Yeah. So, and I think that I'm I'm not okay a lot of the time. Me too. Like, <laughs> you know, all the time. <laughs> so yeah, like I have like a meltdown at least once a day, especially totally. as a new mom. Like all these it's things and trying to be a good wife and trying to take care of things and trying to just manage it all. It's like. And, and I'm a career person. I, I always thought I was at Same. least, you know? I so, know. That's my biggest yeah. fear of motherhood. Well, it changes it you. Yeah. Well, you know what? You're in the, if you're, everyone's good. Go, well, like, I was so older scared mom. I'm going to like lose myself and you work so hard to get this thing going in your career and yeah. you finally get your head on straight. And I feel like for the first time in my life, I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm feeling good about myself. And then you have a baby and everything. Yeah. Then you and have you start do, off. you do lose good. yourself a good. little. And the, the thing is, is like, I said this to somebody the other day and they reassured me. They, they said it so perfectly. They said, having a baby is like 
it's like the death of who you were and then you're becoming this new person and you don't know that person anymore. So you're trying to figure, figure out who you are all of a sudden, but your husband still knows who he is. He's still working. Mm -hmm. Thank God. I'm so grateful. <laughs> like I wouldn't be able to do any of the things, half the things I'm doing if, if he wasn't like a stable person. I'm, I'm more of like, <laughs> oh, like floating around like a butterfly. I'll do this. I'll do that. But I think that really being able to talk and say, you know, also, mom brain. I literally have no idea what I was just saying. No, we're talking about <laughs> <laughs> like not one, not one clue. Like why I'm on this rampage. I think the overall thing is it's okay to not be okay. Yes, I have mom brain too. That like, was I, brilliant. I, good I, I, I don't think you knew either. We I think I would have gone and been down the rabbit hole. What rabbit hole is she going down no, right now? You know what? That was a great But it thing. is okay to not be okay, mm -hmm. and especially as females. Like I do want to talk about that one point you said. Mm -hmm that has been my number one fear about having kids is I am so scared of losing my life. Yes, that's like, what we were talking about. <laughs> yes, I, like, I love my marriage the way it is right mm -hmm. now. I love that we can do whatever we want right now. Mm -hmm. I love that I feel like my career is finally like getting on a path that I love. And it's like, <clears throat> once you have a baby, I am so afraid of losing myself. But I, you can't, once again, have fear right. run the show. But you become this amazing new you. And like, you will find that person again. I'm slowly finding her again. I'm, I don't know still who she is, but like, <laughs> I'm finding out that I like doing other things I used to do a lot less and things that I used to care about. I don't care about right. anymore. You, your priorities get mm -hmm. real clear. They do. What has being a new dad taught you? And what have you learned about what goes on with women when <laughs> and all this because women really it's a lot of changing poor miles he's like i learned a lot <laughs> it is a lot of change i i you know what have i learned more than i could summarize i can say that it, it's but the good news is it's exactly what you said about changing to oh hi girl come on Dakota, here so we know come what's on in. um <laughs> That's our pup. I'm not sure if she's in the street. <laughs> our first shop, child. <laughs> Sweet baby. She heard us talking about her. But uh, I, uh, w I think we went into it, or I went into it with a realistic expectation of how we were going to become parents, meaning it's going to be messy. Uh, we're, gonna, we're not going to do it perfectly. We're going to, I don't know, one parent on the planet that didn't screw up their kids some. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then there's extreme cases yeah. where people did awful things. But for the most part, everybody's it's just, it's an imperfect process. Mm -hmm. So I went into it with an open stance. I didn't read a lot because uh, naturally I'm a reader. I would research like, how do you be the perfect dad? And <laughs> how do you do secure attachment? All the stuff I care about. <laughs> and I was like, screw that. I'm just going to heart instinct. Mm -hmm. God, I'm going to talk to other dads, other moms, and we're going to figure this thing out because mm -hmm. it's what we're wired to do. We're naturally wired to do that. So, but I have learned patience and, and, and grace at a whole new level. Yeah. I would say more with our relationship than mm -hmm. with my son. Uh, just because it has put an incredible strain on you, mm -hmm. uh, it, and I get it. I mean, a lot of people talk about. You mind me? No, sharing? no, no. A lot of people uh, talk about postpartum depression. Not mm -hmm. many talk about postpartum anxiety, and it's it's a real thing. Especially you uh, carry some anxiety anyway, which I do too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, it really accelerated once the baby got here. Oh, yeah. oh, I bet. I read about that some. I was like, first moms, they can get super protective and and fear a lot about. But you've certainly yeah. had a lot of that. But every turn we've talked about it. Yeah. Every single turn we've talked about it, and I, honestly, as hard as our relationship can be some days now, harder than it was. I'm gonna be honest, harder than it was pre-baby. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. It's never been better. Oh. Has, I, I mean, I would. It is. I feel more in, in love watching her as a mom. <laughs> I do. Yo, you're going to make me cry. I'm going to cry. No, but I, I, I feel more in love watching her as a mom mm. than I ever have. Thanks. More so than, than the day that I married you. It's just, mm -hmm. it is the most beautiful thing. I ask the question every day, why did I wait till now? And so, mm. but I had a lot of the fears you did too about it's going to change things. And it has, um, it, but it's changed things in a beautiful way. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Well, that's a great place to wrap up because I could talk to y'all forever. I like to leave with leave your light. So this whole, obviously, this whole thing has been inspirational. <laughs> but leave some inspiration to especially young people who are maybe trying to get their lives going, want to get into entertainment, want to matter, want to find their self-worth. Like leave some inspiration of just how you want to inspire people. Okay. Um I feel like I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't know a lot about a lot, but I know a little about something. <laughs> no. Um, I think that what I would say is I started everything. I feel like a little later in life, we got married later in life and we had a baby later in life. And I'm, I always 
thought, oh, I, I want to get do it all early and I want to get have it all together. And I'm, I think that you're on your path. If you're not married yet and you're looking for love, just be patient. Don't settle is what I always tell people to just do not settle. Um, someone will, will find you. And just, if you love something, follow your heart. If you have a passion, if you want to be a social media person, you know, get on there and do it, but don't do it because you want to be famous. Do it because you want to make a change. Do it because you love what you're doing. And just really embrace, like if you're in a relationship and you're struggling, like embrace each other, talk to each other, just choose love every day. I'm trying more and more to choose love because I can have a tendency to, to not choose it as much and be resentful and then, but yeah, choose love. And I love that. Yeah. That Love is that. good. Thanks. I don't know that I can say anything better than that. You, you're good at wrapping <laughs> things up and putting it all like in, in good little, wording. In a little bow. <laughs> yes. Put a bow on it for Put us. Put a bow now. on it for I us. I really don't have a bow today. But uh, oh, wow. Um, I, I spent a lot of time, I still do, but not near what I used to, focusing on, worrying about, obsessing about, in fear about things that just didn't matter that much. And... I, and I don't do that as much. Uh, there are still days when I can forget about all the beautiful things, but when I sit and I connect with my wife and I think about my son, I mean, I can't wait to go see my son. He's just in, in a moment. Then um, that's what matters the most. And there, it, career is awesome. Chase it. Uh, have a big time. But be anchored in who you are and who you love. And if you don't have that, start with you. Um, it is out there. Uh, but but anchor into what matters, and the rest of the world will kind of start to fall in place. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was a perfect bow. He's a great bow cutter of the bows. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know my words these days. But you you did ask something, and you can take this out if you want. That needs to be where we stop. But um, I think creatives, because you said, what about people who want to get into entertainment? I have watched so many people get into that, um, not uh, thinking about what it's going to do to them personally. They just think about, this is what I want. And, and all the fancy things that come mm-hmm. with it. Trying to, get, trying to get your art out there in a meaningful way requires you to build a platform to deliver it. And building a platform means you're signing up for a public profession. Public professions create abnormal life circumstances. They just do. Mm-hmm. Abnormal life circumstances create high levels of stress. High levels of stress create loneliness, addictions, depression, anxiety, all of which kill creativity. And so the very thing that brought you to the dance for entertainers is your creativity, and you're signing up for a career that in some ways is designed to kill it. Interesting. That's not a bad thing, but I just want people to know that before you sign up for the dance, that protect your creativity, meaning protect your heart. Hmm. So. I love that. That's a big bow. That's a big bow. Mm-hmm. And so true. That makes so, <laughs> so much true. sense. Thanks. Yeah, it really does. Vanessa and Miles... I vote y'all for president. Oh. First power couple for president. I vote. Seriously, y'all would heal the world. Oh. Thanks. Thanks. How amazing was that interview? Are you not just blown out of the water by their wisdom? They're so young. What an incredible couple. It is so incredible and inspiring to see couples who have done so much personal work so that they can become such a strong, united force. That was such an inspiring interview. I hope y'all loved it. And you guys, we are not even done at all with the Influencer Series. We're probably about three-fourths of the way finished, but I have another Influencer episode coming at you next week. You will not want to miss it.